Welcome to Harmonious Equestrian Connection. Today is the fifth in the series about heart horses. We'll be talking about our special relationships with our heart horses, how we define heart horse, and how to improve our relationships with the horses in our lives. Joining me today is June Mendoza, amateur event and dressage rider, who just retired her 23-year-old Fjord, Bjorn. Welcome, June. Hi, Ingrid. Thanks for joining me today. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm excited to hear more about your story with Bjorn. I met you a few years ago when we were boarding at the same barn. Mm-hmm. Uh, got to know you better, but um, have been following your journey with your special horse. And I'm excited to hear the whole story. Like, <laughs> how did you guys meet? Well, it's a most unusual start. And I'm not sure anyone else can, can claim the same story. Um, I was formerly a hockey player, uh, a goalie and then when I was injured and couldn't play goal anymore, I was a skater. So I ended up on a new team and was playing in the summer when a gal I didn't know plunked down next to me and made small talk and then asked me if I liked horses. And this is 2003. And I'm like, sure, I like horses. You know, I grew up going to horse camp and things like that. And she's like, oh, fantastic. You got to come and meet my horses. And I'm like, super, that'd be just so much fun. And then the discussion was over. And then the next week, she just came over to me and she was so excited because she said, June, June, I've got fantastic news. My sister-in-law just got a new horse. And I was like, well, what kind of horse? And she said, a Norwegian fjord. And I practically did the exorcist thing with my head spinning around because five years earlier, I was watching a program on television called Venture North and they featured fjords. And I had no uh, reason to want a horse at that time. And I wasn't shopping horses. I wasn't looking for a horse. I wasn't getting involved in horses. It had been 30 years since I'd ridden. And I watched this program and I thought, you know, if I ever got back into horses, I would get one of those because they were just so versatile and so gorgeous and just everything I thought was wonderful in a horse. Well, fast forward, here it is five years later, and there's this person sitting next to me saying her sister-in-law has a Norwegian fjord. So I just went batshit. And uh, I, I said, oh, Barb, that'd just be the greatest thing. I would love to meet him. And then she disappeared for three weeks of hockey and I didn't see her. And so when she came back, she was avoiding me. And I was like, Barb, what's going on? I really want to meet the fjord. And she's like, oh, June, I have bad news. And I'm like, what? She said, my sister-in-law wants to sell him because she can't handle him and is not working out for her eight-year-old daughter. And I'm like, Oh, that's too bad. And I sat there on the bench next to Barb and I was just thinking about 30 seconds later, I turned to her and I said, you want to buy them? And she turned to me and she said, sure. (laughs) So that's how I got Bjorn. Sight unseen, no idea what I'm getting into. 30 years without horsemanship and a person I had just met like six weeks earlier. So when I finally got out to the barn where Bjorn was being boarded before being moved on to her sister-in-law's property, there was Bjorn um, knowing nothing. I mean, again, I am like so clueless about horses, you know, what I should be looking for. I wasn't even in the market to buy a horse. This was a 30 second karmic impulse. And (laughs) I, I watched him on the lunge line And he was flying around like a model airplane, like he was more airborne than on the ground. He was 
bucking and snorting and kicking. He was really fat. He was really angry. And I was like, cool, he's got a lot of spirit. <laughs> so <laughs> the deal was done and he was moved onto my uh, friend's property. She lived on her sister-in-law's property. And for her, he was like a pasture ornament. And I found out in the ensuing year that she had no intention of riding him, that he was there as a pasture pony and it was up to me to do the training. And in a good fortune kind of way, he, I bought him and I got two lessons from the barn he was moved from. And that's what started everything. I started the lessons. I thought, well, there's no way that I know anything about handling this horse. So I'm going to just continue taking lessons with this person. And it ended up being 14 years at this barn with this person and through some very good and very bad situations. Um, but the most interesting thing was the attitude that this trainer and the people who knew Bjorn before I bought him had, which was why he stayed with me for 18 years is basically um, they really disrespected him and me because I knew nothing. And he was so green, not even green broke. I mean, he was impossibly shut down. He had just been gelded. He was five years old. He had had precious little training. So he was not a fun horse. Let's just put it that way. And um, I just got more and more stubborn as the trainer got more and more convinced that this was not a good idea. So the more she said, you should get rid of them, the more I wanted to keep them and show everyone who had that attitude at the barn that we could be something. And, you know, truthfully, going into the hard horse thing, there was something about his soul, you know, in the quiet moments that I knew it was more than just this fat, reluctant, shut down horse. So that was our start. And so for three years, I dealt with like trying to dig out of this hole that we were both in, in terms of my lack of knowledge and his lack of training. I think it was like, you know, there was a turning point in that. I know one of your questions was, when did you know that he was your hard horse? And he, I really think um, about three years in, we were seeing some glimmers of like, he had lost the weight, you know, he was starting to become fit. So he was able to be engaged in the lessons, not just endure them. And he was kind of getting, getting the picture a lot more. And so was I, I came on an off day at one point and, uh, he had never paid attention to me. Like I'd come up to the gate and he'd be like, Oh crap, you know, here's June to come ride me again. And he'd be very indifferent. And it was an off day and I just came up to the gate and he came trotting over and snorting and whinnying you know, like, hi. Uh -huh. And I was like, holy buckets, where did this come from? And so I just took him out and I let him graze. I didn't even ride him. You know, I just kind of hung out at the barn, talked to people. And, and, it, and it was kind of like from that moment on, it's almost like he thought, well, it's been three years. She didn't sell me to anyone because he'd had five owners in five years. I need uh -huh. to, I need to also include that. So I think his MO was like, if I just am an idiot long enough, I'll just be passed on and I won't have to do any work anymore and I won't have to do anything. And um, I guess three years in, he was convinced that this was it and I was it. And then we just kind of started to make steady progress upwards. But I still remember that day. It was 
quite amazing that all of a sudden it was like he was happy to see me. Oh, and he's not yeah. a very emo. He wasn't a very emotive horse at any time, but this sure. was a special, special moment. Yeah, I think everybody loves it when your horse comes running up to you. You know? Oh God, yeah. Oh Just, God, yeah. There's nothing better. Yeah. Nothing. Like hi. Yeah. And especially when, like you've described, you know, he he was so shut down. He mm-hmm. had several owners, hadn't gotten attached to them, didn't want to get attached to you. Nope. You'd, You'd been his, um, I, I sometimes say we're our horse's physical therapist mm-hmm. because as That's, dressage riders, we're trying to get them fitter and stronger. And it's that is fun absolutely perfect because I really felt like our lessons were more about getting him to move properly mm-hmm. and consistently. I mean, you know, kind of like dressage basics were, weren't even really in the, I mean, they were always the bedrock of everything, but he was so far away from rudimentary dressage at that point it was more like can I just keep him moving and stop him and have him listen just enough uh and because his neck oh my gosh the strongest neck and the he was just a just a bull you know so it took it took quite about a time because he I just figured he knew he could kind of scare riders or just make it unpleasant enough that they get off and then he could go back and eat (laughs) so very classic fjord smart let's go eat (laughs) i mean he's smart right and uh well amazingly smart and i think people underestimated him because he didn't he just didn't have that picture of smart you know like an arabian with that that alertness and that you know there's a there's a type of horse that just looks smart even if they're not and i think fjords get a bad rap because they are can be so chill they look dull Mm. and they're really not they're smart, 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 smart horses. Very resourceful. Yeah. Yeah. All the fjords I've known have been very smart. Most of them have been friendly, but also they can be obstinate. They know how to use that neck and shoulder against you (laughs) if they want something else. Oh, that he had to be led with a chain through his mouth when I first got him because he'd otherwise he'd drag you to the grass. Like he had no boundaries, no sense at all so that was just where he came from it, the, you know there's no really criticizing him for that because that's all he knew right so you must have been on a bit of a journey learning <gasps> what you needed to do to take care oh, of him God. to train him it was well you know considering my last uh riding experiences had been at a horse related summer camp where i was doing hunter jumper on very well trained very seasoned horses so I came from a heart horse that I asked for for Christmas for five straight years and never got, who was a Morgan standardbred cross named Charade. And that never happened. And then I turned 15 and we moved to a different place and all that was gone. Like horses were gone. So having always been an athlete, I just channeled that into other sports, college sports. You know, I, I was a D1 athlete. And, and then I just kept doing my sports. When I graduated from college, I came out to Minnesota. I got to play a lot of hockey. I picked lacrosse back up after a while. And then all of a sudden here's Bjorn, like right out of the sky, like literally out of the sky. And it started on an amazing journey with him. Yeah. So what were some of your favorite memories as you remember that early part of your relationship? Wow. The early part, 
you know, I basically told you the best part of the first three years, which is that moment where he came up to the gate, because up to that point, admittedly, it was only my stubbornness and persistence that was keeping everything going because I had all this negative external input from people who said, you know, he's going to end up being nothing and you're wasting your time, you're wasting your money. And there are most times where like I drive up from my lesson and I'd have tears in my eyes because it was just so frustrating and so hard. And I felt like we weren't getting anywhere, but I just, you know, kind of like something in me refused to quit. And I'm really glad we didn't, you know, yeah. um, it, cause I think the one of the things that was so heartening was three years later, it was 2006. And I decided that it was time we go to a breed show, which is, you know, we were doing dressage stuff, but we were only doing like schooling shows and things that were sort of, um, incubator. So, you know, you never really had to, know how out of reach you were from the rest of the world in dressage because it was just us at barn kids you know like I was the oldest barn kid but a lot of nice kids that were riding and we were doing schooling shows but then I decided to bring him to the fjord show I practiced a lot like he wasn't at that time and he wasn't gonna be jumping for a long time before that but I always envied the ones that could jump their fjords but I did work in hand on the flat I rode him on rail classes and, uh, and God talk about a learning curve. You know, I didn't even know how to dress. You know, my trainer was trying to gently tell me that a lot of my stuff wasn't really appropriate, but we did play sixth in, in hand trail. And he really loved competitive trail, you know, going, shaking the cans, dropping them in a barrel, walking over, you know, doing a pattern and doing all these different functions and closing and opening gates yeah. He really had an aptitude for that. And I think it was because it wasn't boring. Like at that point, you know, every lesson was going around in circles and trying to improve gates and stuff. And, it, and when we pulled out the, the barrels and the equipment and started to do trail, he just really, that sparked something in him. So I made it a point of doing a lot of different things after that, when I saw his response to other than flat work. Uh, so I did a lot of, lot more trail riding, a lot more like Cavaletti work, a lot more changing patterns and a lot more competitive trail practice. And that really, that really got us going to the point where, um, I'm looking at a poster on my wall right now. We were, we were the first place Fjord in 2012 in competitive trail class. And he also piloted, um, a really sweet gal from that barn I was at um, in the junior class also oh, got cool. first in trail. So the two of us placed first in mounted trail, competitive trail. And it was just a wonderful experience. He had really peaked and he was also doing fantastically on the rail because I had started showing him creeping slowly into um, real dressage and uh, recognized shows in 2010. So it took seven years to get our first moment in a recognized dressage ring, but that became kind of what we did until uh, 2017 when I switched over to eventing. Okay. Yeah. So tell us more about that switch. Oof, that's kind of emotionally fraught. Um, we, one of the things that always was important to me about having Bjorn was uh being a great representative of the breed, there was almost an onus to it 
because fjords were so rare in the dressage ring that I kind of felt the weight of the entire breed association every time we entered that I felt like we just have to do better, so much better than anybody else to be recognized. And in 2014, I went to regionals and did, you know, reasonably well for first regionals. You know, we were middle of the middle of the pack in each. I think we did first level training level and first level. And we were right in the middle of each one. And I was really pretty pleased with that for our first experience, but it also got me really determined to get a placement, you know, to represent. And so 2016, it was all about, like I was starting to ride with Bill Salinges, take extra training, you know, go to tons of clinics, get a lot of input. Um, that's when I got my trailer, you know, it was 2015. So I could go to all these different places and get, get us elevated to the point where we could really go in and compete. And so yeah. that was my whole focus for 2015 and 2016 was to get to regionals and get placement. And um, as the fates would have it, it was a miserable weather regionals. We didn't get to do either of our introductory rides because of monsoon rains. And I can't say we did our very best at first level. We were again, middle of the pack and uh, we placed actually seventh in um, freestyle, which was not particularly rewarding because we could have done so much better. So it came down to training level and literally the two weeks before I had um, taken him to Washington County and done a faux regionals and rid ridden all the tests. And I was really gunning for training level placement. I knew that was in within our reach. And I rode for Dave Schmutz at Washington County and he gave us a really fantastic score, like 72 and said to the scribe at the time that that Fjord is riding at his perfect level. So that just got me super psyched. I was like, we are so ready for regionals. So of course, setting the stage, we were the last ride of the last class of the last day of regionals. Uh -huh. And we go in there and he was, he was full of it. He was kind of sick of being there. And um, he had a ton of power, a ton of energy, which is not Fjord-like. Like usually they're penalized for being sort of dull and he was nothing but energy. So I felt like I got a good ride, not our best ride, but a really solid ride and that it was competitive. And what happened, unfortunately, is the C judge gave us a 61 and the side judge gave us a 74. Wow. And we missed by fractions in placing. We were ninth. Oh. And <laughs> I'll admittedly, uh, I think everybody knows I'm a pretty competitive person. That's no, that's no uh, surprise to anyone. But it basically broke me because I, I had been aiming for that for fjords, for everybody as a representative of fjords, and we missed. And it was like, I just was devastated by it. I just thought it was, there was no place. I couldn't find a place for it. It was just the, the disparity in the two scores. The, the whole scene was so otherworldly that I basically said, I am so done with dressage. And this upset my trainer, as you can imagine, greatly yeah. because she thought I was 
And I was, I mean, I'll admit it. I was, I was a complete head case at that point. I was just like, I can't stand this. It's not fair. I had ranting and raving. A lot of the people who were close to me were like, oh, you know, you better, you better get your act together here. And, and so I, I basically stepped back from dressage and just diddled that winter, like just did almost nothing, you know, just rode Bjorn around in circles and fretted and stuff like that. And then in the spring, a good friend of mine at the barn said, how would you like to take a jump lesson with Diane Palm? I invited her out here and I'd love to split the call charge in the lesson. And I'm like, oh, I am so in, I need to do something. And that infuriated my then trainer. Like she was so angry with me because she felt as dressage people who aren't really that secure in their training, she thought I was going to ruin him by jumping him for whatever reasons I have. I'm not about to get into her head, but um, I took a lesson with Diane and I had so much fun and she was so encouraging and so positive. And she was like, man, that little fjord can jump. We did like maybe six weeks of lessons. Basically it was coming up to Repke's run that used to be a big eventing thing out in Hector that the Schweisses would put on. It was a huge popular one day eventing trial. And I looked at Diane and I said, you know, that Repke's thing. I said, do you think we could do that? <laughs> she looked at me and she's like, sure. You know, I'm thinking her mind is spinning. Like, what if I say no? <laughs> <laughs> Will I just like burst her bubble? So we went to Repke's and it was, everything was in one day, the dressage, the stadium jumping and the cross country. And it was so amazingly fun. You know, it's, it's irrelevant in a sense that we placed because I was, the, it was the first time I'd done a full cross country ride. And I still can remember every single jump and what it looked like as we approached. Cause it was that much of a like, oh, this is the most incredible experience of my life. And he was amazing. I was hooked. I was I love completely that and utterly hooked. And people were so welcoming, so warm. So it was just, it was just like, you can't have more fun on a horse in my, you know, cause I came from a hunter jumper background. So this was, this was right in my wheelhouse. He was such a safe horse cause he has such a good head on his shoulders. He only refused one jump in cross country because it was half in shade and half in sun. And it looked weird to him. And so the only time he would refuse is when it looked dangerous, not when, you know, not because there was a big pinwheel or a spider or what all the decorations they put on jumps. So he was, he was fabulous. So it was my goal the next year to ride cross country and to event. So then a huge intercession came when he got, Bjorn got very, very ill about two weeks after Repke's. And we didn't know that at the time, what happened was he got a rock bruise on trail and I administered butte, pretty high dose, you know, reasonable dose for his size, but the kind of the highest level because there was so much lameness and limping. And we discovered that he's allergic to butte and he almost died. So that was such an amazing moment that 
like, here I am with the vet and she's like, his white blood cell count is about zero. And they thought he had Potomac. And so they took him into the clinic and he was there five days and they never did find out exactly what it was, but the only variable was the butte. And yeah. uh, he had shown some signs of being sensitive to it in the past, but um, nothing like that because it was a big dose all at once and uh, it just about took him down. So that caused a complete blow up with me and my then trainer because she was like, she had already had it with me about eventing and then the butte thing just, I don't know, just sent us over the edge. So uh, I left that barn um, and I went to Majestic Pines, which is where I met you, I believe. Yeah. And that's where I met Jane Braddock because I was trying to figure out like, oh my gosh, you know, where can I go where I can get dressage and eventing and do all that thing. And then, wow, the, the minute I started working with Jane, it was like, you are my person because she was so about Bjorn and so about the partnership and so positive and just, I can't say enough things about what a marvelous person she is. So we worked on um, jumping in things with Jane. And then I got this wild hair that maybe now we can go back to our dressage quest. And I sent him out to Jen Truitt. He had almost seven weeks of training out there because it was supposed to be shorter, but things weren't going well at Majestic. So um, he stayed. Anyway, long story short is we were unfortunately only at Majestic a short time when things kind of fell apart there. So I moved him to a barn south and I continued to work with Jane and then started to take him down like every other week to train with Jane when the weather was appropriate we would go and do her stadium and her cross oh god her cross country stuff was so beautiful and work on flat work and just have it was just the best time like like 2019 was just the most wonderful year of eventing ever and there's not a lot you know because Repti's closed down there wasn't a lot of opportunities but doing Otter Creek I still remember sitting on Bjorn at one of the dressage rings, warming up for cross country and stadium and looking out over the jumps and remembering 10 years before being at Otter and saying, man, one day I would just love to be able to be out there. You know, here I am a dressage rider, right. but I'm, I'm totally enchanted. Well, Otter Creek is eaten anyway, but I was totally enchanted with the cross country course and there I was like it was just magic it was like my wish came true I'm here on Bjorn and I'm doing eventing and I'm gonna ride cross country how much better can it get and it, it that was it. the peak experience of our relationship I have I, I have this video that I just treasure it's five minutes of the cross country course I that's posted such a it good video before. oh my gosh and and it so it was so him because like his ears were forward or listening the entire time. And there wasn't a single moment where there was anything but partnership in the whole thing. And it was such a high. So yeah, it was a lovely, lovely experience. And um, then COVID hit and we were still at true North, but nothing was happening, you know, and I was just riding him and, you know, Jane, bless her heart, you know, really was smart and 
you know, wasn't going to, we were on lockdown for weeks. And um, so we lost a lot of ground. And then uh, I basically, when, when the kind of coming out of COVID, I realized that I just, I didn't, I knew he had done in 2020, he had really done his last event, eventing course. I could just feel it. We just went back to starter. We tried BN. It was too much for us. Um, he was really smart about it. I wasn't, you know, like he knew we weren't ready. And in the cross country course, I had to, I had to retire because I knew we weren't going to be able to do it. So, um, yeah, we, we did one more starter course at Otter in 2020 during COVID. And then it was pretty clear he needed to be done with the strenuous jumping and cross country. So I thought, you know, maybe we had a chance to have one more shot at, because I was two thirds of the way to our bronze. And I say our bronze, because I wasn't going to ride anybody else to get a bronze for me. I wanted it to be for us. And so that's when I moved him out to Kate Phillips barn in Sauk Rapids. That was uh, November of 2020. And it was going super well until he had to have his fifth oral surgery, which is the backstory is that Bjorn uh, developed in about 2016, 2017, he was diagnosed with EOTRH. And it's a very long word that I looked up. Um, it's a tooth disease. Equine odontoclastic tooth resorption and hypersementosis. That's what it stands for. And in a nutshell, the teeth above the gum line look fairly normal, but below the gum line, the roots are hypercalcifying and growing like tulip bulbs and pushing on each other and causing huge pain and problems for chewing, for everything. So by 20... By the winter of 2020, he was up, up to his fifth surgery for um, pulling teeth, and he got his last incisors out. And somehow that was a setback. Like, he wasn't the same when he lost his final incisors. And having talked to a couple of animal chiropractors, I was told that when a horse cannot shut its jaw on, on teeth anymore, it creates a problem with proprioception balance and that oh. they're oh, yeah it huh. explains a lot about what I was feeling when I was riding him and yeah. then of course you're asking for third level collection and movement and he was just struggling just struggling and so you know I kind of went into May of this year thinking wow I wonder if we can just pull out a couple of third level tests and I told Kate that if we can't cut it at second level, if we can't get scores like we did five years ago, um, we're, we're pretty much not going to be able to make it. And, and it, that's what happened. We went to Otter. Um, he could, he could barely break 60 on second level. And he was, I watched the videos and I just cringe because he's very uncomfortable with all of it. So um and his tongue, you know, would come out, which is a deduction. I mean, it was just a whole myriad of problems. So I wrote him for the last time at the Northwoods dressage show up, up in um, Iron River. Yeah. And that was karmic because um, it's a great story. I could tell that we're probably done showing at that point. 
I could, I rode him first level and got pretty low scores um, compared to what we're used to. And I thought, and I knew, I knew like he was just very uncomfortable, very fussy, just totally not Bjorn at all. But it was my chance to ride our signature freestyle for the last time. And I just, I told Kate that I was going to do that. I was thinking possibly we, we might make it to regionals, but once I got on him, I knew he was pretty much done showing. So I thought, well, here's our last dance, you know? So the backstory is the judge we rode for at Iron River on the freestyle was the one who gave us the 61 at regionals. Oh. Oh, yes. Huh. Okay. So he, I was just like, well, this is the way it is. I'm going to put my big girl pants on and I'm going to go out there and we're going to ride the freestyle and it'll be our last dance together. Well, we won. We got first. Wow. And that judge said to the scribe, that is what freestyle is all about. So karmic, right? <laughs> yeah. Last dance, last show. He gave me everything because he that he just wasn't, he just wasn't comfortable. Mm -hmm. And I knew it. And I was like, buddy, just give me this last one and we can be done. And he did. So to a judge that formerly didn't think much of us and then thought a lot of us. So that's like the whole 18 year arc right there. Um, tough start, magical finish. Um, and then I was looking, you know, it's really hard to retire a horse that you care that much about. And yeah. I was really searching. And so I contacted Lord, Dr. Keener, the dentist with Northwinds Equine. And I said, I know you'd mentioned people who were interested in Bjorn in the past. You know, I said, cause I was thinking about retiring. I said, um, are they still interested? Cause this was a couple of years ago when his teeth problem was really becoming evident. And she said, um, you know, my mom and I would really like him, but I don't think we could afford him. And I was like, free lease. He's yours. Because now he's taken care of by the one person who knows exactly what he needs. He's on Laurel and mom's farm. He gets ridden by little kids. He gets ridden by geriatric 80 year olds who haven't been on a horse for 30 years. And he is He's living the life. He gets all sorts of attention, all great care. Um, Laurelin's Laurelin and her mom rescue. So they've got, he's the healthiest <laughs> horse they've got <laughs> other than Laurelin's good horses, you know, but, but he just, it's perfect. It's up in a great place. It's in Duluth. It's cooler. He's, yeah. He's got a mare for a paddock mate. It's great. So yeah, he, that's the, he's back to just being able to be a regular guy no more competitions no more pressure no more anything and it's just it it feels bad really bad in some days and it feels I mean most of the time it just feels wonderful to know that he's in a great place yeah so. yeah when I heard that you'd done that with him I, I was thinking it must be hard to not be able oh. to see him I mean, I know you went up and visited since. Yeah. And, you know, 
I mean, I'll be really honest with you. It's harder to see him than not see him because he's not my horse anymore. Yeah. You know, he is, Mm -hmm. but he's not. I mean, I rode him. It's great, but he's not my horse anymore. He's like become the center of their joy. You know, he's doing what he's doing because he's such a solid citizen, you know, no spooking, no running, no anything. He's just, and he calms the other horses down on trail. Uh, He's given Laurel and his mom all kinds of confidence in getting back to riding. And uh, so she rides him when Laurelin is there. And it's just, it's such a great story. I can't imagine, I mean, again, another karmic thing. I can't imagine a better place for him right now, but it's, it's really hard to have, it's kind of like we've retired our relationship more than anything. You know, uh, he, he's kind of the horse in my experience that, that I had 18 years ago, like when I started, because he doesn't have to do the training anymore. So, you know, I get on him and he's, he's not an easy ride, you know, cause he doesn't want to bend anymore. He doesn't want to, you know, bring his back up, you know, and all the things that we trained for so long, they're gone. And I, and I should be, sh- shouldn't even be asking for them. Cause he's a, he's got a different job now. He's, he's, he's got the, the life he should have in retirement. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's being used. It's not like he's just standing out in the pasture he's just beloved, which is just the most fantastic thing you can imagine. So and I just in, have to get used to that. In a way, it's not retirement exactly, like retirement from competition, mm-hmm, Exactly. he has a new job. I like putting it that way. Mm-hmm, he does. Have, he has a very new job. And I think at this stage, you know, with his mouth issues and aging, I think it couldn't be any more perfect for him it's right in his wheelhouse and, uh, and he's kind of just in the right place. Yeah. So what's next for you? Do you think you will Uh, ever get another horse? Um, I've done a ton of soul searching on that. Yeah. I've done a ton of soul searching on that. And truthfully, I realized this whole 18 years has been about Bjorn and not about horses Uh because I never was shopping for a horse. Like, Remember, like he kind of fell out of the sky, right? 32nd decision changed the next 18 years. And, um, and when I really, really get honest with myself, I want to be an inventor, but that's not a great thing to want to be at 63. Um, because I'd want to invent a fjord. And right now that's kind of a unicorn thing to, to think about because I basically don't have the knowledge to bring a young fjord up into that world. So I'd have to find one that was already seasoned for that use. And I'd, I don't think that's the same, you know, like I could do that, but the joy in eventing was doing it on Bjorn. It's like, man, this horse can do anything. You know, that was just the way I felt about it. Like I could just take him and do anything. And I just don't, I don't feel like it would be the same feeling, the same journey if I took a seasoned fjord and said, okay, we're going to go out and we're going to be eventers. It just doesn't have the same yeah. soul. So to give a very long answer to a very short question, um, I think I'm done 
with riding. Um, there's also some physical aspects. I've had some hip and um, SI issues that have entirely disappeared now that I am not riding. Uh-huh. So, you know, that has implications. Um, I'm also very deeply training my dog, Eddie, uh, yeah. who's an English Cocker Spaniel that does competitive agility and obedience. And he's five and he's at a peak moment. So we're kind of going for it right now, doing a lot of trials and having a ton of fun. And um, I'm kind of like filling the filling the void a little bit with going whole hog on that. And um, I'm thinking about getting another puppy, uh, you know, in a year or a year and a half. And that that will take all the rest of the time. So, yeah, yeah, I'm not I'm not in a place where I can see the fit of another horse. And, you know, just a just a little backstory. Kate Phillips was so gracious because when Bjorn had to be retired, she immediately like I, I could put you. They have a wonderful schooling horse there named Chester. Morgan and my saddle fit him perfectly. We got on, I was doing lots of really good work with him, but I, my heart wasn't in it. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I could have gotten my bronze on Chester probably, but I decided no, it, it just, it just wasn't, I just wasn't feeling it. So uh, there was a lot of, you know, in a sense, unfinished business for Bjorn and I, but that's the way that's, the way the story ran, you know, so we did some great things and we fell short in some things and that's just fine. Like he was, he was an amazing ambassador for the breed. He just, there wasn't a place we would go that he wasn't like kids wouldn't run up and hug him and he loved it, you know, and he was just so safe. And so, um, just such a solid guy. So yeah. it's hard to, it, you know, you don't, there's just no reproducing that. No. And, and I don't care to, to try. Yeah. I totally point. understand. Yeah. When I lost Elena, we had planned to go out third level that year. Mm-hmm. I had wanted to for several years, but the changes weren't really confirmed. And that oh, yeah. year I was going to inject her hawks and just whatever she needed to help get mm-hmm. us there. Mm-hmm. And then I lost her just shy of it, you know? Yes. And yeah, I think when you go through a loss like that, you do think, well, maybe that's it. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad that that's not how my story has turned out. Um, But I do understand that. And I'm still sad that I didn't get Mm -hmm. my bronze on her. Mm -hmm. Because it is. It's so powerful that like raising them, teaching them, growing up with them, yeah. learning with them, learning a, from them, it, teaching them, mm-hmm. it, you know, it goes mm-hmm. both ways. And it's just so much oh, more powerful. Yes. I agree. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like I didn't know quite how powerful that was until when I was working with Jane, I had one really not so great practice session practicing for uh, otter eventing and this is when we were going for beginner novice mm-hmm. and one of the things that I didn't learn well enough was when the jumps get higher in cross country there's more hang time so you need to not be forward 
when the horse is coming on the landing side because you'll go right down their neck and off. And I did that. And it was, and Bjorn was like, what the heck was that? And he started to worry about me. And that was a change. Like, mm. that's when I, like Jane said, you know, he's changed because he's worried about you. And I was like, is that what that is? Because he was like more questioning the partnership and the, the confidence because he was sensing rightly so that I had lost confidence, not in him, kind of in myself. Right. And he knew that he couldn't make up for that. So in the same practice session, I, I went off a second time because he refused because I wasn't properly prepared. And I realized at that moment, it's like, Jane, you're right. He is worried about me and he does not want to jump things that he doesn't think I'm ready for. And it was such a revelation to me to, to realize that there, it is, it is a, a partnership. It is back and forth. You are communicating the whole time. And that was such a great lesson because it, it just made me appreciate him even more because yeah. he's such a thinking, sentient, wonderful being. And um, yeah, so. And so cool to have that after the first three years in which he didn't come <laughs> to you, you know? Yeah. Oh my God. That first three years, thank God that memories don't, because things got so much better, those memories are, are compressed, you know, in a yes. sense, there were a couple of really highlight moments in a bad way, but in a sense, you can let those go and they become almost comical when you look at the good stuff and, and how much you took off and how, how many wonderful people came in and out at the right times, like Diane Palm. I mean, yeah. if Diane Palm hadn't shown up and had given us that jump lesson, right. I don't know, I don't know where we would have been. You know, I might've actually sold them. I might've retired them. I don't know. You know, it's hard to say, but, but she, she was perfect for the time. I mean, actually at, you know, when I was getting ready for regionals, Bill Salinges was perfect at the time. Um, Jane Braddock was absolutely perfect at the time and then Kate was perfect at the time and then it just it wasn't meant to be you know whatever falling short of everything that's just that's the way the karmic the karmic thing was going to work so you know and I think you know looking at the two of us you're in your 40s I'm 63 I totally understand your continuation if I were in my 40s I would be looking for that next fjord I'm not yeah without question but it's kind of like right now I'm at that age where it's true like my my confidence in my physical health is not as high as it was 20 years ago mm -hmm. and and you know maybe that next fall could have greater consequences because you know you're always going to fall at some point I mean right there's no there's no saying I will never fall and you know, I, I look at what I'm doing with Eddie and things like that. And I'm like, well, I would lose all that. I would lose a lot of things that are really important to me outside of the horse world if I became infirmed. So mm -hmm. including being a good partner to my husband. So, um, yeah, there's, you know, there's, you weigh those cost benefits and age and involvement. And I just decided, you know, I think I'm, you know, I might get back to it when I'm 70. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you never I mean, know. Exactly. I mean, I'm kind of like not closing the door, but I'm going through a very odd process of de 
like I brought the saddle to you at St. Croix Saddlery. I sold my trailer. Now I've just got this closet full of stuff and it's really, really hard because a lot of it is just like, oh, that was the bridal. You know, when I bought a double bridal to get ready for third level and never used it. So I have this brand new double bridal that never happened. So things like that, you're just like, oh man, you know, this is hard. But in a way, again, you know, you can't control the fates. And uh, I had such a good time with him. You did. Yeah. And you inspired so many people, I think, June. You really think so? Going out and doing that with a fjord, having a blast on your cross country. We were having tons of fun. I mean, you know, just thanks go out to the eventing community for being so embracing and so welcoming and so funny and fun. Um, Yeah, it just was the perfect um, antidote to my misery over that regionals in 2016. It was just Mm -hmm. like, completely palette clearing, um, fell in love with the riding again, everything about it. And, uh, and it was just the thing to do. And it was so much fun to work with Kate too. And to make this almost comeback because she loved him and Sam loved him and they made him look, you know, they, they're great riders. So they made him look fabulous. And I was like, he can do this stuff. Like he actually can do it. And then, you know, that next surgery, it was like, but end of story. And he needed to have those teeth pulled. So you can't really, you know, you can't deny it um, at all. It's just the way it happened. Just the yeah. way it happened. All right. Yeah, Is there that's the anything whole... else that you want to talk about? Um, uh, I think we really, you know, covered it. I, I, I do, you know, there is grief, but when I look back at it all and the people I met, and especially even the breed people, I still have friends to this day. And, and there's one hugely lovely, well, there's two really great um, stories re- surrounding, believe it or not, Facebook. One is when, um, when I went to Scotland in 2014, there was a fjord owner who lived outside of Aberdeen where we were going to be leaving from a bike trip. And she was, a, she owned two fjords at that time in 2014. And I told her I was, you know, going to be coming to Scotland and I'd love to have lunch or something like that. She said, Oh no, you're going to come and ride. And I was like, and we never met. This is just a Facebook relationship. And it ends up that she came out, picked up Peter and I took us to her home, which was about an hour and a half away from where we were staying, plopped Peter down with her husband, took me and the two fjords. And we went on the most incredible trail ride in the back hills of Scotland. It was magical. And at one point when we were riding on trail, she looked at me and I looked at her and I knew exactly what she was going to say. We almost said it in unison. You're not an axe murderer because all of her friends and all of my friends were like, you don't even know this person. How are you going to go visit and do all this kind of stuff? You don't know what they're like and stuff like that. And I'm like, guys, she has two fjords. What else do I have to say? So we just got such a kick out of it. We've been very, very good friends ever since. And uh, the other great story involving Facebook is there's a woman named Wendy Luscombe who has the most exquisite tassel of dressage fjords the world has ever seen. And she and I have become good friends. And she has offered to have me out 
to ride in in my in my now hiatus you know she's she doesn't want me to to quit you know mm -hmm. but she's like the door is always open please come ride my and she has grand prix level fjords they wow. ride grand prix so cool. that's the level of training so you know it's like the people out there in that fjord community are amazing and that's kind of why i felt that pressure for that time because i thought man i don't want to screw up i want to represent yeah, I just want, I want the world to see how great a breed that fjords are and then what a great guy Bjorn is. So I think getting into eventing was such an important step for us to, to feel super good about our partnership again and, and just move kind of move on to the next fun thing and regain the joy in, in the riding. And so that's kind of the basic basic point that he was just born to do whatever was put in front of him. And I loved him for that. He was just a great guy. So. Yeah. In some ways he does remind me of Elena, what you were describing earlier about why are we going in a circle again, <laughs> being <laughs> oh, lazy uh, yes. and yet enjoying trail riding or jumping oh. or something where there's an obstacle Did to figure you? out or overcome or be brave about. Yep. Yeah. Stimulus. I think some horses like, just are like that. Mm -hmm. They like yeah, to he, wa he wanted to be challenged, you know, yeah. and, and it wasn't, you know, it just wasn't about going around in a circle as much <laughs> as we needed to work on that stuff. And right. we did, I mean, it was like the three R's, you know, in school, it's not a lot of fun to do the basics, but they inform everything else. I, there's no way we could have done as well in eventing as we did without dressage. I, right. I, I totally believe. And it was such a wonderful thing to come in and be the one that enjoyed the dressage portion. You know, all yeah. the other inventors are like, I hate the dressage side. <laughs> and I'd be like, yes, we can kill this intro C. <laughs> Gosh, I know if I ever invented, I've said this before, I want to do a second level test with starter. <laughs> can I do that? Doesn't can we have a division for that? <laughs> Yeah, just, can't you just kind of get the rules changed so you could do second level? For I know doing intro C was such a blast though because yeah, it's like, well, okay, so let's go, let's go, dude. We got this. Yeah, you know? so it was very rewarding that way. But yeah, for us, stadium was the hardest part. We we never had a clean round, mm -hmm. so that's another thing we never achieved. But he still jumped his little heart out. So yeah, because he had a he had a, a rider who was still learning all that stuff too. So more credit to him that he was able to pilot, you know, to deal with, to deal with a pilot that wasn't as well-trained as he was. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's actually, I think that's a good description of who Bjorn is. He has a big heart. Oh, huge heart, huge heart. And it's, and it's got room for so many people. I just love seeing him up North now, just enjoying kids and older people and just taking everyday as it comes it's just great i'm happy for him yeah well i'm happy for you too that you're finding fulfillment thanks. with your dogs and thanks that thanks. you had I this am. amazing experience with bjorn and all that yes all i that treasure it memories i treasure it mm -hmm. well thank you so much for sharing thank you ingrid and you know again thank you for approaching even though you knew it was still fresh and and asking me about because I, I do enjoy sharing his story um, because it is unusual and fun. Yeah. Well, like I said, I think you've inspired a lot of people. So thanks. Take thanks. that with you too. 
I appreciate that a lot. Well, thank you. Thank you.